Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com. Along with me today, the one and the only Scott Reynolds, the storyteller himself, also from <laughs> PewterReport.com. If you missed yesterday's podcast, we're back in Bucks history to tell uh, a wonderful tale of <laughs> wonderful from Was it wonderful? perspective <laughs> yeah. of Josh Freeman, former Bucks quarterback. Today we will be focused in the in the present and looking a little bit to the future on today's podcast as we wrap up some of the pro days that have Bucks connections. Scott, how are you on this fine Tuesday? I'm doing good. Uh, I'll tell you what, if, if it wasn't for um, my my morning can of, of Celsius, I went back to orange today. Did orange sickle yesterday and uh, and regular orange today. So this has got me fueled. I was running a little bit on, on empty this morning. I slept pretty well last night. I don't know what it was. I had a cup of coffee and then I had some Celsius and, and thankfully I'm, I'm energized and ready to go. That's good because we've got a lot of ground to cover, as I often say on this podcast. Today we have Bruce Arians press conference, a 17 game schedule. Our thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, how about that? Plus the new opponent for the box for this I season know. and some of their history against said opponent. We've got pro days to wrap up from around the landscape of, of the of the NFL draft world, including several Bucks affiliated prospects uh, and, and results from their pro days that we'll discuss and talk about. And we've got a Buccaneer that is moving on from the team, Ryan Smith, who is heading for greener. Well, we'll see if they're greener or not. Ryan Smith heading on the third free agent uh, to leave this team. And so uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about about the Bucks in this show, Scott. And guess what? It's all going to be brought to us by our wonderful friends, over at Celsius. Uh, John, the refreshing taste of Celsius. What are you drinking there today, my friend? I've got a little bit of kiwi guava going on, Scott. Okay. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I changed it up. I haven't had kiwi guava in a while, and looks like it's been a good decision by me so far. I would say I'm tired of orange, but I'm not. Uh, but I am going to mix it up. Uh, I, you know, just saw some peach vibe in the fridge. I think I'm going to hit some peach vibe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wife loves that. My kids love it. That's that's a tasty flavor. So if you want to find out what your favorite flavor of Celsius is, if you haven't tried Celsius yet, what are you waiting for? I mean, they support us here at the Peter Report podcast. Do your part by helping support our partners and Celsius is our main one. So find out where to get them uh, online at Celsius.com and click on the store locator, type in your address and you can Find out where they sell those individual single cans around you. If you want to buy them in bulk and save money, go to pewterreport.com. Click on the Celsius banners. They'll take you to Amazon. You can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money. Good stuff. Sounds like a great plan to me, man. Celsius, great product out there. Those in the chat, as always, especially on Tuesdays, tell us what you've been drinking lately. If you've been trying Celsius, as some people last time were like, you know, wild turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> What Celsius have you been drinking? Yeah, well, let us know. Uh, Duke of Dice, greetings from Germany. That's that's outstanding. We appreciate the support from across the pond. Great that we have uh, the fans from all around the globe. Uh, now, Ryan Smith is not heading overseas, but he is heading to across the, the country 
uh, yes. to to the Chargers in Los Angeles. So the Bucks are down two key special teamers. We're not trying to make more of it than it is, right? <laughs> but that's what happened. I mean, you know, they lose Joe Hag, okay, yep. but Andrew Adams, Ryan Smith, those are two of their top three players on the team, along with Pat O'Connor in special team snaps this past yeah. season. They're they're three of the those those three guys. You know, Pat O'Connor, Ryan Smith, and Andrew Adams are three of the you know four four unit special teamers basically um, that you'd obviously are going to have to find a way to replace. And special teams wasn't exactly the box strong suit anyway last season so they're going to need to those guys to step up or guys who replace them to step up we said pat o'connor right yeah he's back yeah he's back i meant yeah. uh ryan smith and andrew adams though those, yeah yeah, those are yeah the other for two. sure yeah yeah number and kevin, kevin mentor's back special mm-hmm. teams captain from last year but uh you're right the good news is john we heard from bruce arians today they're going to draft a bunch of special teamers this year because <laughs> wouldn't surprise me well because there's no a special team <laughs> yeah and and there's there's no there's no starters available right they re-signed all 2020 uh you know starters they got 22 guys back um there's not going to be any any starters that are going to come from this draft, at least this year, I think they're going to be drafting players that will be starters in the future. We've kind of talked about some of those spots before. But the one thing Bruce Arians said was he wants to find fast players, especially on defense, because that's where it shows up on special teams. Right. And the day three picks, whoever they're going to be, they're most certainly going to be players that will factor in on special teams. And whether it's in the kick return and punt return game, like I'd like to see – because I have not been excited by any of the return guys they put out there in a long while. So between that and then you've got you know guys that will obviously be running down, covering punts and kicks. That that's going to be vital too. Uh, it, and I think you're going to see uh, you know a, a couple of guys from this year's draft class uh, do that. One of which will would not be a quarterback. You don't want your, your your third string quarterback, your rookie quarterback, running down, covering punts or kicks. But John. Bruce Arians talked about possibly drafting a quarterback this year to put in the hopper and develop behind the scenes. That That's not a new concept to us in our latest Pewter Report mock draft, our Buck seven round mock draft. We have Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, a guy that you kind of warmed me up to uh, mm-hmm. being in there. Mark Cook from PewterReport.com has written about Kyle Trask from Florida being some options. But one guy it's not going to be is Mac Jones. I know there's been some Buccaneer fans possibly pining for for Jones to be there at 32 is just not going to happen John is it yeah no it's not he's going to be off the board before then although his pro day workout today was not uh I wouldn't say it was the kind of workout you want to see from a guy rumored to go number three overall it wasn't Justin Fields and it wasn't Zach Wilson is what you're saying right (laughs) that's right on Scott it's not either of those guys the fact that it's unfair to Mac Jones that we're doing this to him he's a good prospect in his own right I just don't know how he's entered the conversation with Justin Fields to be the number three overall pick. And I don't think yeah. Shannon's going to go that route. But in any event, it doesn't seem likely for it to relate to the box at this point in time, Scott. They you seem know, to be quarterbackless at 32. Here, here's the thing, and I agree with you. Here's the thing about Mac Jones that has me a touch worried. And I don't want to take anything away from him because I think he's a pretty good prospect. But um, who has he had to throw to, right? I mean, I, I know that, that, you know, just some scrubs. Well, I'm just saying two a left, but I mean that Alabama receiving core two years ago, right, was nothing but first round picks. Henry Henry Riggs, uh or Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, Dante Smith, or Devontae Smith. I can't rattle these names off right. Devontae Smith yeah. and of course Jerry Judy. Okay, there there's four. Who did he hand off to? He turned around, hand the ball off to Nigel Harris. Who who was blocking in front of him? Well, an all American center. 
right. uh, a highly regarded left tackle and a guard, right? So, I mean, you're looking at, at, at a quarterback that was surrounded by first-round talent. And in a year where, let's be honest, the the competition in the SEC even wasn't what it usually is. I mean, even LSU, look, they were a shell of themselves. Um, Not that there weren't other good teams, not that it still wasn't a good conference. I know Georgia was good, but there was nobody even close to Alabama's level. I mean, look, look at the the way the playoffs went. There was nobody even close to their level. And that's something – I don't think you use it to automatically dismiss him, but you at all. Like, I would hate to look at it on the surface level, but what you're saying, and, and I agree with you, is that you have to take that into consideration when you're scouting him and say, how yes. easy was it for him to achieve this production compared Correct. to the other guys that he's going? Well, to I just remember, I remember Matt Leiner coming out of USC, and he was right. a first round draft pick, right? But he was handing the ball off to Lendale White and Reggie Bush, and he had a couple of of like all Pac-10 receivers that got drafted, um, you, you know, and, and he was. It was the weaponry around him that made Matt Leiner. It wasn't Matt Leiner, right? Dwayne just Jarrett. Like, well, yeah. It, <laughs> there were some it, guys like that I remember on that team. Yeah, he definitely had yeah. unbelievable. And the offensive line, too. I mean, they had, Correct. I know they didn't end up being good in the NFL, but for college ball, I mean, Winston Justice and some of those other right. guys, I think he had the Khalil. Was it Ryan Khalil? Yeah, or Ryan maybe, Khalil. Maybe, maybe yeah. I don't remember, yeah. So. Yeah. And, and the same thing with – I think that's why we saw someone like Johnny Manziel get drafted in the first round. It wasn't Johnny Manziel. It was Mike Evans, right? Mike right. Evans made Johnny Manziel. You didn't know that really until you know until the, the draft and, and you split those guys up but it was it was Johnny Manziel throwing the ball up and it was it was uh Evans going up for the alley oops at six foot five over you know some some uh marginal at best DBs. Right. And um and so th- that's my only concern with Mac Jones is right gosh, and it's he's got of- so much so much talent around him it's hard to so much. and and you know I think we're even seeing that with Tua a little bit right in the NFL. Yeah. Yep. I think the makeup of these guys matters too. You know, I, it's not a coincidence that we've seen Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle both say they prefer Mac Jones as their quarterback. Yeah, that doesn't always happen. I think true. the makeup of Mac Jones seems like it's a little bit better. Now we'll see. Tua could grow into that. That's the part we don't get a yeah. great look at. I had no clue about that with Tua before the, right. you know, before everything, before this past season. So we will see how that goes. I do want to mention this before we move on to this Landon Dickerson comment here from Long Lost Glazer because we do want to talk about him today too. Yep. But uh, Kellen Mond, uh, today was his pro day. So while we're talking yeah. about the quarterback position, we might may as well address that. Uh, he, I don't think Bucks had representation as pro day, at least as far as no no reports out there. The reports of a lot of teams being there, Bucks right. were not mentioned. Um, so we'll see. Maybe they had an area scout in there. We're not sure. But uh, he came in 6'2", just over 6'2 and a half, 211 pounds, nine and three ace hands. So he should check the box there. Nine is usually the, the cutoff point for a lot of teams with the hand size for quarterbacks. 33 and a half arm length. That's all doesn't matter. He ran a four, five, nine 40. Uh, this is per Jim Nagy, by yep. the way, the senior board yep. director on Twitter. Um, and he, so he didn't do the jumps or the shuttles or anything, but he did all of that. Have not heard reports about how he threw the ball yet today, which <laughs> okay. is interesting. I don't know yeah. if that's bad yeah, or good. <laughs> yeah. So it might be uh, a thing too, where depending on what time that pro day was held, he did the testing first, then we'll do the throwing afterwards. Maybe we don't have the full report Could on be. that yet. You're right. Good point by Bill Byers, by the way, in the chat. The Tua played better defenses than Mac Jones. That's 100% true. I very much agree with yes. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'll just say this. The, the, the uh, you know, long lost Leisure has a great uh, point here. I, I would not be opposed to drafting Landon Dickerson at 32. The, my only concern is just the injury history. That's the thing. Because when yeah. this guy's healthy, he he's a phenomenal player. I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah said he's the best interior lineman in the draft, and I agree. 
uh, absolute mauler, smart football player, um, the kind of guy that that is the energizer bunny. You want him in your locker room, and and you know where where that that gets lost sometimes when people talk about personality. And if you love football, is because just like anything, I mean, football these these guys get paid a king's ransom to play a kid's game, but at the end of the day, it's still a job, right? Yep. And you get into week. 12 week 13 and the muscles are, are aching and sore the mental fatigue of the seasons dragging on you you need those energizer bunnies those fire starters out of practice warren sap was that heartbeat for the buccaneer team mm-hmm. and that's exactly why john gruden and warren sap headed off because they were of like minds doesn't matter if it was week one or, or week 17 didn't matter if it was sunday when the lights were on or if it was wednesday when you're putting the pads on to kick off the week's practice it didn't matter. Football is football. Let's go. And mm-hmm. and you have to have those guys because not everybody has that mentality and that mindset. You need those guys. And Tom Brady's that guy for the Buccaneers. And there's other guys, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante, David, Devin White. But you can't have enough of those guys on both sides of the ball to energize you and, and make football fun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if you're telling me the Bucs would come out of the first three rounds of this draft with Landon Dickerson and Quinn Miners as two of their picks – yeah. I'd be applauding that, Scott, because sure. I think it is. Bruce mentioned it today in his presser, which we'll talk about as well on this mm-hmm. show. Uh, you know how important it is to fortify the offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, that's something the Bucks are looking at some question marks at after this right. season, right? Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa slated to be free agents. Yeah, I mean, if Landon Dickerson could step in and Quinn Miners could step in right. for those guys uh, after this season, and the Bucks yeah. could hypothetically not miss a beat. Obviously, there will be some type of a transition. Right. If they aren't going to extend Jensen and they are looking at this as being Jensen's last season, at this point, right. you know what Jensen's going to give you. It shouldn't be a mystery. Uh, you know, whether you want to move on from him or not is, is a decision that you're making, regardless of what happens this season. Jensen going into this draft, and if mm-hmm. he's a player they're going to replace after this season, you've got to think long and hard about Dickerson at 32 because he's a really good player with really yeah. good tape. And I know the medicals are a concern, but if you can say, all right, I'm giving a thumbs up to the medical. I think it's okay. It right. doesn't worry me enough. Winfield, remember, he he had the he had some medicals too. You know, he missed yeah. his first two college football seasons, and they gave sure. the thumbs up there. They've also been burned by medicals, although it wasn't pre-draft stuff. I don't think with Beckwith and, and Justin and Justin Evans, Evans and they right. don't want to see that happen again either. So mm-hmm. there are lots to consider. Most of it is stuff we're you know what? not going to be able to speak to. He just had that ACL surgery a couple months ago. He's after doing cartwheels today. I, cartwheels I saw that. He was doing cartwheels behind Mac Jones. Jones. <laughs> so. He is. He's that kind of guy, yeah. though. And you're right. Yeah. I mean, and, I was, and you know what? One of the things that Bruce said today is you got to love football. And it's yep. obvious this guy loves football. He loved football so much. He dressed after tearing his ACL in the SEC championship game. He dressed for the national championship game and and begged uh, Saban to go in so he could take some snaps in that game with a torn ACL that had yep. not been surgically repaired yet or if it had been it was right after the surgery yep. so that's not normal that's that you know that that's not exactly what the right. doctors are giving you in terms of precautions right but it just shows you that that, that that's that's a possibility and as long as uh, laser says uh not only could he step in at center next year he could also possibly step in at guard if you want to extend jensen for a year then maybe you move him over to center but maybe he fills that that gap uh, Alex Kappa doesn't resign. Aaron Stinney's gone. Whatever he could fill in their regard, and as a rookie, if he's healthy, he could be that jumbo offensive lineman, yep. that, that that extra tight end, that role that Joe Haig played uh, this year. So you still get some value 
for your first round pick rather than just having him sit on the bench as a red shirt, essentially. Right. Exactly. Right. So he's a top guy, I think, for us to start considering yeah. and thinking about, especially after no our pressure today. Davis Mills is the guy we've gotten a lot of questions in Logan Summerlin. We really appreciate the $5 super chat. I am not going to give you a Davis Mills answer today, Logan, but I promise you I will have Davis Mills answers for you on this podcast upcoming, not only for myself, but also bringing in some other experts that have watched him really closely. I have not really gotten to quarterback yet for the Bucs. Uh, to me, that was far down the list, and I think early on it is probably far down the list, but we are yeah. going to have to start looking at some mid-round, day three type of guys because right now Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin both remain unsigned. We thought – that this would be pretty quickly, at least Gabbert would be pretty quickly brought right. back. And we do think that's still going to happen, by the way. But if Griffin isn't, Scott, it definitely leaves the door open for a number three quarterback, and Mills could be one of those guys in the mid-rounds yeah. still available. It just seems to me that that when you look at, at, at the way this roster is being constructed, and everybody's getting a little bit more. That's one thing Bruce Arians said. He's like, they're all coming back, but they're coming back with more money in their pockets, yeah. right? So uh, I think that that they're, the Bucks are probably going to have to pay Blaine Gabbard about twice what he made last year, which would be uh, around $2 million plus. Okay, so Blaine would get a, a raise. Wow. And I'm just, I'm just saying, I think that's what, what it's going to end up uh, you know, becoming. But Ryan Griffin, as a result, uh, won't be back because those guys were making about the same. So you take mm-hmm. the money, you give it to them. And I just think that that third quarterback, whoever it's going to be, is going to be a rookie, whether it's right. a draft pick, whether it's undrafted free agent, you know, they, they, uh, they had be, uh, be, because of that guy's playing, Scott. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> that matter. guy's playing. <laughs> didn't yeah, might as it, well see a young guy develop and get as high yeah. pick as you can if that guy's playing. Yeah, exactly. So I've always felt that way. By the way, about QB three. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe there's a rare case where you can get a guy that can keep you above water. Right. But I would, I'd be trying to get somebody totally different. You know, that a team would have to prep for. You know that that would be totally different than your starter, your first, yeah. your second string guy that would. You know, like a B offense or something right. like that. So here, here's uh, Ty T talking about the, the Jimbo Fisher quarterback. Jameis Winston, 28 interceptions of Florida State in two years. Mond, uh, 27 interceptions in four years at AM. Mond leaves AM as the all time Aggies passer, and he had a nice 19 to three touchdown to interception ratio as as a senior. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's interesting there. Um, a couple of quarterbacks, um, you know, in there, and you know, we we we've got uh, some objections as well to Mond. We'll we'll get Charlie into the quarterbacks later. Mond. He's not going to be yeah. the only one because he was a Jimbo Fisher quarterback. People right. are going to see that and yeah. and write it off. I'm not advocating for Mond, by the way. We'll have yeah. a podcast at some point in the coming days um, that will break down Mond Mills and. I, if you guys want to Kyle, Kyle Trask, I'll do Kyle Trask. Why not? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll break hey, down those You might as well throw Felipe Franks in there too, John. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That guy, I can't pretend that he's a draftable player. He's, I agree. Mm, can't do it. But anyway, a uh, good question by Craig here on Trey Sermon. We're also going to talk about mid-round running backs too as we keep going on the podcast as we move into the month of April, into draft month. Uh, Trey Sermon's going to be one of those guys for sure. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know – what his ceiling is as a receiver. I think that's a big question mark. I need to watch him closely in pass protection. But as a runner, balance and power have always been there with Sermon, man. He's some nasty runs. Even you go back to his Oklahoma time. I mean, he had some runs where he went through dudes' faces. It was great. Yeah, But he is not a super explosive or athletic back uh, overall. So 
you've got to kind of consider that straight line guy. Like he's yeah. a north south guy. There's not a ton of wiggle there. Um, and you know, he's kind of like the he's kind of like the 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 poor man's Najee Harris. Like if yeah. you miss out on Harris, try and get Sermon like in the mid rounds. Yeah. Of the but draft. but the thing is, I think I think Ramondre Stevenson is from Oklahoma is probably even a little bit of a more of a wiggle tackle breaker guy, you know, than yeah than Najee Harris. You know, speaking of running backs, John. We had this guy right here. We had Ronald Jones. Uh, hmm. You know, he's in a contract year. And you've got Leonard Fournette coming back. And what? it wasn't exactly breaking news, but uh, right. but Bruce Aarons was asked about, you know, is is Leonard Fournette, is he coming back as the starter? And, mm-hmm. and Bruce said, there's not going to be any starters on this team. That was last year's team. And this year, although all positions are open, everyone's right. got to earn it. Well, I, I don't think left tackle's open, John. I don't think there's much of a competition between Josh Wells and Donovan Smith, right? I actually I, think there's only one place on the roster that's open. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's running back. I think it's running back too, exactly. Maybe yeah. number three receiver. We'll right. see what I, happens. I don't, there, know, I don't know that Anthony Nelson's going to be pushing Shaq Barrett. Big, you know, I, bold predictions. I don't probably. know if Cam Gill is going to be pushing Jason Pierre-Paul, right? I mean, I, I we'll don't see. think we're there yet. So, but the interesting thing is, is, is as it was asked, uh, I think Rick Stroud asked the question today in in the Zoom conference call with uh, with Bruce Arians. Does having Leonard Fournette back in the fold with Ronald Jones preclude you from maybe taking a running back or drafting a running back early? The answer was no. Right. Probably actually it was probably not. Uh, right. But uh, that to me is a no. And and of course the reason being is is both these guys Fournette and Jones are going to be free agents again next year. Maybe one of them returns on a one-year deal, um, but you don't pay running backs. You don't lock them up to, to long-term deals. And right. so I, I think I, I would be very much in favor of the Bucks drafting either Travis Etienne, Anaji Harris, Javante Williams at number 32, or maybe trading back a spot or two if all of those guys are on the board. Because I think any of those three could play and play well in Tampa. Uh, the only situation where it becomes a little tenuous is if, and there's a scenario, if the Dolphins at 18 decide to pick a running back, whether it's Harris and pairing him with Tua or Travis Etienne, who might even be a better fit than the Steelers, uh, they want help at running back. The Buffalo Bills want help at running back. If they get a Najee Harris or an Etienne in that situation, then all of a sudden Javante Williams, there might be more of a, of a sense of urgency to take him at 32 because I think he is in, in an upper echelon with those other runners, then I think there's a drop-off after those three, in my opinion. Yeah, and especially you think about the top around too, right? Just thinking off the top of my head, you know Miami has been prioritizing running back. They've been thinking about if they don't take one at, is it 18? Where Miami's 18, second pick is yeah. 18, yeah. If they don't take one at 18, so. then, then yeah, you're probably thinking about them at the top of round two, trying to take one. Uh, Atlanta, I believe, is still at the top of round two as well. Yep. Um, they're you know, you know they're going to take one with Arthur Smith. Yeah. yeah. They've If they don't trade back and take one in the first round, they are going to prioritize that. And it's probably going to be Javante, to be honest. I mean, right. outside zone scheme mm-hmm. pretty heavily at, at North Carolina. They ran plenty of zone. And so right. I think that you're going to have a fit there. Now, Javante, I really think his traits – Think I think could be a, a really good fit in a scheme like the Bucks, yeah. Uh, because he is kind of more natural as a downhill back. I mean, he can play everything. Uh, I'm sure he'll be fine doing whatever. Um, so I don't want it to make me look bad in a couple of years if I say he can't be his own runner. But right. I do think he'd fit with the Bucks scheme if he could get used to the footwork. He is just at his best when he plants his foot and gets downhill really, really quickly. And I think having that track right off the bat and the handoff, take that ball, get yeah. vertical rather than running lateral, stop and cutting, and then getting north. 
mm-hmm. could be really conducive for him. But we'll see what happens with him. But I do think that speaks to your point. If the Bucks need a running back and they love Javante Williams, you'd love to trade down and still pick him in the second yeah. round. But I don't know how low you could get and still get him because there's a That's lot a of great teams point that about looking. Atlanta too being right there at the at the top of the second round, being interested in him, and and you have to you know, wonder too. If, if a team like Atlanta, if they would try to jump ahead of Tampa Bay, knowing that they might take a running back at 32. Right. Yeah, it could definitely happen. I mean, they, they would know. Yeah, again, if you know, knock yourself out. <laughs> um, yeah. I think you know, they could they could do that if they want to do that, jump back into the first round. Um, but to me, it would be like, okay, now you've got to evaluate you know, from that point. And, and I don't even necessarily want them to take a running back either, Scott. I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't do. think it – you do. I, do. I know yeah, Mark does too. It. And yeah. I'm not saying I would be, I'm not going to get on here furious. Like some analytics people would be, and they would say, this is just never look at the chiefs last year with Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I don't think Clyde Edwards, Alaire has anything to do with why the chiefs didn't win the Super right. Bowl. And they were kind of easily, you know, you play again. I just think that there's no way that that pick people just, if they'd have won the Super Bowl, what would people have said? I think that's ridiculous. I don't think it's this huge detriment to the Bucs. I do think that typically you're going to find more value in other positions with that pick. Every draft yeah. class is different. It depends on who's on the board. There's lots to consider, obviously. I'm not going to just rule out running backs without seeing who's available. But the preference would certainly be to go to a position that's a little bit harder to get production from unless you have a great talent at that position, even if it means getting another wide receiver and you're like, wide receiver room is loaded. Well, it's a good problem mm-hmm. to have. I mean, it really is. That position really, really matters. Yeah. Getting another corner. It's great to have a loaded secondary. And let's be honest, Carlton, I mean, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean are far from sure things. They played great down the stretch. Right. I have a lot of hope. Uh, I have more hope than I did going into last mm-hmm. season, probably definitely more hope than I did at the end of the regular season. Right. But I still don't think like these are not, locked in long-term guys right now for the Bucs, where I think Carlton Davis is moving in that direction for them, a guy that you'd want around long-term. Those guys are still question marks, and if one of them struggles for the first eight weeks of the season, it'd be great to have yeah. a rookie that was getting ready that whole time. It's just a really, really important position. We saw that when Ross Cockrell joined in. And, you know, we, we've had some people here in the chat that are that are anxiously awaiting the re-signing of, of Antonio Brown, and that's something that Bruce Aarons touched on today was it sounded like they're in no hurry to re-sign Antonio Brown. He said offers out. It sounded like – yeah. I think Greg Allman, the way he phrased the question, was a little bit confusing, so we didn't write a story on it because it wasn't too clear. But right. Greg Allman asked A, B, or outside receivers as options, basically something along those lines, mm-hmm. and Arian said offers are out there, so we'll just have to see what happens. So – I'm assuming he just means AB unless they're offering another receiver. I, I'm not I, I sure. I think it's just to AB. It sounded I, I, like that to me yeah. too, but he didn't. You're right. He, right. he answered it kind of a little bit ambiguously, but let's just yeah. assume it's just to I, AB. I, I think what he means is is Antonio Brown has some offers out there that he's possibly considering. He could mean that too. That could definitely be something that yeah. he means. If, uh, which if, is, if it's if I'm if I'm the Buccaneers and I'm offering him, it's going to be basically a carbon copy of the deal last year, chump change for a one year deal. I don't trust the guy. I don't think I you're don't playing with, think you're playing with house money. You won. Walk away from the table with your winnings. Don't stay at the table because the table is going to win. And right. I'm just we're saying. not trying to slander anybody. We're no. also not we're not speaking out of ignorance on this no, topic exactly. either. Yeah. Like we're- and, and listen, two completely different teams, different times, different situations, different players. But I covered this team in 2002 when they won the Super Bowl. I covered them in 2003 when Keyshawn Johnson literally blew up the Bucks uh, Super Bowl. Um, you know, repeat. We, bit. we need that story on a podcast. 
Well, I that's mean, story I need on podcast. I, that, that story was was pretty was public. pretty well covered and, and public. Yeah, I mean, you know, he Keyshawn's ego just ran amok, and he didn't like Gruden, and mm-hmm. then Gruden was was featuring Keenan McCardell a little bit more than than Keyshawn liked, and it was year two of McCardell in the system, and and uh, Keyshawn played the split end, and um, it, you know the X, and and McCardo was the Z receiver. Uh, he was the you know the 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 stir that that uh, you know or the straw that, that stirred the drink, drink right. essentially in in, mm-hmm. in West Coast offense. So it just uh, it blew up, and then you had Sap and Keyshawn going at it. Uh, they did not like each other, and still don't. I well, yeah, I don't think Maybe so. Not. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't want to see another receiver. Uh, with an attitude, yeah. do something to sink a, a repeat. Right. Right. Yeah. I get the comparison for sure. But I do think, obviously, like you said, different Bucks locker room, obviously, different Bucks leadership. Yeah. And the other thing about AB is, as, and I've said this before, I think on the show, he, he really is kind of like his own dude in the locker room. He's not like a loud, come follow me type, you right. know, like yeah. a, different he's a player. different personality. Yeah. yeah. Like, I his is more like how he represents the organization when he's not in the facility. That's true. What really worry yeah. about with him. Like I'm not yeah, quite as worried about if he comes back. John, right. You know, right. Uh, where you, where you, where you were like, you know, holding your breath and, and thank God I've had so many players, including sap tell me like if, if there was Twitter in 2002, <laughs> this team might not have won a Super Bowl just because everybody, you know, would have been running their mouth and everybody would have had their Twitter <laughs> opinions. And that locker room was was held together with like rubber cement and, and duct tape. Um, and it, it just kind of like imploded in tw- in 2003. That's but, funny. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, I don't think that AB is quite. But at the same time, you're right. Like you don't want to mess with it. And you don't want to give guaranteed money to guys who, who haven't right. had it. And yeah, I don't think no doubt. at that point. So it is an intriguing situation. Again, if you're AB, if there were better offers out there, man, I think you would have taken them. I think yeah, he's hoping something happen. happens. And, yes. and it, maybe they're hoping something happens. The team gets to camp. A couple guys get hurt. They get desperate. They throw right. a few more bucks his way. But you know I what? think it's a long shot. Here's the problem. The problem is, and, and Michael Henderson asked the question, is there strategy by AB to wait until after the draft? No, there isn't. Because after the draft – everybody's going to have their receivers and your value is going to go down. And that, that's why I think to your point, John, if there was a better out there by AB, you take it right now before the draft. Yes. And, and I'll tell you, this is a pretty deep draft when it comes to, to wide receivers. There's going to be some day three guys and the Bucks got one of those guys, I think in Tyler Johnson last year from Minnesota, a guy that has got a lot of upside and, and potential and, and flashed a little bit without having any developmental time from from training camp, which was truncated, yeah. no rookie mini camp, no off season, um, you know, no preseason to really get that third and fourth, or probably for him the first and fourth game to really play a bunch. So, right. I, but th- this is a draft that I think is pretty deep at wide receiver, and uh, it's it's not. I think it's got some high end guys, then I think it's got some real quality all the way through the middle rounds. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Scott, because you're right that it's deep at receiver, but also it's like a ton of slot receivers that are in this draft. Got might be guys that are slot only type receivers that are in this right. draft. You certainly have your other types, but a lot of the after you get past the first three guys, the first four guys, maybe if you got Rashad Bateman and you assume the Bucks aren't going to get any of those guys, the next group is kind of like, okay, we have 
Uh, Kadarius Tony, well, he's a slot only probably yeah. in the NFL, not only just his size, but his, his usage at, at Florida. He only was one year really playing offense, and it was in the slot uh, almost exclusively. Rondale Moore, same thing. Right. He's, he's been a slot only in college. Yeah. You know, and he's 5'7. Five, five, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, where's so you have a guy like that, Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. He was a guy that mostly played in the slot. We'll mm. see where Tylen Wallace, uh, you know, where he projects in the NFL. He might be an inside-outside guy. But Tutu Atwell is probably a slot. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, who I yeah. love, by the way, is probably a slot only. And the Bucks have a unique way of using those slots like they use a Chris Godwin. Doesn't mean right. they couldn't draft a guy like this. And I even wrote about Kadarius Toney. I yeah. didn't write about Rondale Moore, but I thought about writing him in that piece that I wrote this past weekend about some surprise first-rounders for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, as much as I like Tony, I think it would need to be some type of deviation from the norm to take him in the first yeah. round for the Bucs. If he's there well, around two and, or three, maybe, but I don't and, know and if you know I what, see him. When people think of slots, you know, for other offenses, like say, for example, in, in New England, right? It was it was the 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 quickness, it was the Wes Welker, the, the Danny Amendola, uh, the the you know, the Julian Edelman. It was the the kind of the the quick guy that was usually undersized that that could, you know create a mismatch against a, a safety or a linebacker in the slot. And, and it's just completely different in Tampa and they want a bigger receiver in the slot. They right. want a Chris Godwin type at over 200 pounds. Larry Fitzgerald was in that role because the slot does an awful lot of blocking in the run game, whether it's in motion going across the formation or whether it's just at the point of attack uh, or cracking down on a defensive end. So uh, it's just it's different, and so when you look at all these like little mighty Mike guys like Rondell Moore, you think, oh wow, Tom Brady could use him in the slot. Well, yeah, maybe in New England, but not in Tampa, yep. because Rondell Moore in the slot would be asked to to block and do all those things. That's why you don't see Scotty Miller, who's the smallest receiver the Bucks mm-hmm. have, in the slot. That's He's right. out wide, and so if you're going to be a wide receiver who's undersized, you better fly. You better exactly have some right. jets, and, and some and, of these guys do offense. Some of these yeah. guys do, but the fact of the matter is they didn't really play outside in college. That's the hard part. When you take a small, undersized guy who played mainly in the slot in college, and then you ask him to be outside in the NFL, Scotty Miller, if I recall correctly, played outside in college, I'm pretty sure, and at that level he probably could. And then in the right. NFL, they found ways to, again, utilize him as an outside receiver. And again, what's his trump card? He had to have the trump card, otherwise he wouldn't yeah. be as good at that. He had it, so in that range of the draft, you overlook the size thing that you normally prioritize and you take him doesn't mean that they wouldn't take a smaller receiver. Right. But the problem with these guys is they don't really project to be able to play outside. The Bucks love their yeah. outside guy, to, their inside guy to also be able to play outside. Like you said, to be able to block. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that won't fit. Amari Rogers, another one. I don't know if he fits the Bucks. Maybe right. he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit more stout. Maybe he could fit. But you've got guys, to me, it's like, okay, with Diami St. Brown, or mm-hmm. sorry, Diami Brown from UNC, yeah. who played the DK Metcalf role as uh, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Phil Longo moved to North Carolina from Ole Miss. He played the DK Metcalf role, so he only knows like three routes, and <laughs> right. basically they're all vertical <laughs> down the field. That's where yeah. he's going, and so he's an interesting one that could be a box fit, I think. Seth Williams from Auburn on day three, if he loves the game. Guy mm-hmm. who could be available if they wanted to go there round one, if they fell in love with him, Terrace Marshall. I think he also played a lot of slot this past season, but yeah. he's big enough. He could play outside. He's played outside before at LSU. Mm-hmm. He could be an option. So there are some names, but to me, I think he, Dwayne Eskridge is another one, inside guy. You know, there's just so yeah. many slot-only types. Sure, exactly. We talked I about Rondell Moore, 429. You know, you've got Jalen Darden from North Texas. The, the problem is when you're a small guy, and we even saw this 
with Scotty Miller in the, the first Kansas City game. You don't have the catch radius, right? So you have to beat guys with speed. Yep. And if you if you're if you're not, you know, five eleven, six foot at least, if you don't have good ups, you can't compete for for the ball. And now Tom Brady is a hell of an accurate quarterback, but the catch radius is real, right? Mm-hmm. Especially as these cornerbacks are getting bigger and taller and longer and lengthier. Um, you you've got to be able to to win some of those contested balls uh and and uh so that's that's the downside of these smaller receivers is their catch radius is just like like not there uh, adam humphreys was was one of james winston's favorite targets but there were plenty of times where he overthrew adam humphreys because adam humphreys is five foot ten you know and yeah, you're throwing exactly. you're throwing to chris godwin who's you know six one almost six two and and then of course Mike Evans is six five. It makes a difference. It really does. It does. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that some of these guys couldn't be successful for the right. Bucks or couldn't end up being fits and filling a role for the Bucks. But if you're going to take a guy high in the range that a lot of these guys are going to go in the first and second rounds, maybe yeah. even the third round, you want a guy who's going to be able to contribute every single down for you. Like right. that's where I would see yeah. it anyway. I wouldn't see it as oh, Kadarius Tony's a nice fun piece for five or ten snaps a game in our offense. Right. No, if you're taking Kadarius Tony where he's getting drafted, you think he can be a full time player. You might be wrong, but that's your scheme. Right. That's your mindset. And, and essentially, the Bucks viewing these guys that way. I agree. And if you're going to draft him that high, he he really is going to be replacing Scotty Miller in the lineup or Tyler Johnson, and you're going to really suffocate Tyler Johnson's chances right. of moving up the depth chart. So I'm not I'm not ruling out wide receiver, but but it just seems to me like they're looking for a guy that I think to come in and compete with Tyler Johnson, replace Justin Watson and, and start like Scotty Miller did was, you know, number four on the depth chart, moving up to number three. Right. And then he was number three until Antonio Brown came. So it'll be interesting to see. So we got a, another super chat. Thank you for these super chats today. We appreciate those as always from trust and Vorbeck. Our schedule is pretty soft. If I say so myself with the extra year for more practice together, can you see us going undefeated? Maybe 21 and Oh, for back-to-back trophies. Wow. Well, the Buccaneers just did something that no team has ever done. They won the Super Bowl in their own backyard. So uh, I would never say never, especially with Tom Brady as the quarterback. And let's keep in mind, Tom Brady also went undefeated, right? They they went 16-0 and during the Patriots year. And I think with with the end of 18 and 17 and 1, and not 17, 18 and 1. 18 and 1, I think, yeah. Lost to the Giants Giants in the Super Bowl. So – um, can it be done? I, to me, that's the last thing Tom Brady has, right? That's the last <laughs> box to check is to go completely undefeated. He's Buddy, if he goes undefeated else. and wins the Super Bowl at 44 oh years old. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I think what you do is is you just you rename Canton, Ohio, Brady, Ohio at that point in time. And you don't even call it the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, you yeah. call it Tom Brady's Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think I think I think that's what you get. If Brady does that, if Brady goes undefeated and taking the Buccaneers to uh, to twenty one and zero, um, th- that that is that that's just absolutely that would be the of. that would be the pinnacle, obviously, yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be, but yeah. I think at the same time, and, and, and we throw up these uh, uh, a look at a look at some of these opponents that we have uh, for this upcoming season, or the Bucks have for this upcoming season, you can kind of get a feel for what we mean by schedule. Now, Atlanta's still going to be a competitive team. Their offense is still yeah. going to be very good, I think. And they have a chance to add Cal Pitts at the top of the draft. That could be, honestly, a very scary team. That could be just straight shootouts, kind of like they were this past season, honestly, right. between the Steelers or between the uh, the Bucks and the and the Falcons. Panthers, mm-hmm. are, I think, are really still struggling right now. We'll see what direction they end up going in. A lot to learn about them still after this upcoming draft. 
Uh, the Saints are at that conversion point with quarterback. Bills will be a tough opponent. Bears may play them tough, but on paper, the the Dolphins have a lot of issues they're figuring out. The Giants as well, although they're yep. definitely added to the talent on their team. Um, and then I'll, I'll say this, the, the Cowboys could be a problem, but their defense still needs a lot of pieces. So we'll see yep. what happens after the draft. And then away, the new addition to the schedule here is the yep. Indianapolis Colts right there in the middle. Um, that'll be the 17th game that the Bucks play as part of the expanded schedule, regular season for the NFL in 2021. I uh, yes, I hate the fact that there are 17 games. I love it as a football fan, but I cannot stand it as somebody who likes order and neatness, Scott. Yeah. And how are we gonna do it? We can't be eight and eight. You're telling me you can't be five hundred anymore? Come on. Like, well, li- we, listen. We gotta go but, to nine and nine, right? Well, listen, here's the thing, right? You see the schedule there, and and you look at the the Eagles, the Washington football team from the NFC East. You've got the AFC East teams, the Patriots, the Jets, you've got the NFC. Uh, uh, team the the Rams, then you have the the Colts, of course. But see, the, this is the big thing, John. It's it's the seventeen game schedule now, and the reason, and of course, they're playing the Colts. That's the the newest game that got announced mm-hmm. today. The reason why they they went from sixteen to seventeen games, John, is to get you to that that order, to that right. neatness, because eighteen games is coming. But you can't jump from 16 to 18. It's just like, how do you boil a frog, right? So we have to suffer for how many years with this A couple lack of years, of order? get people used to 17 games. That ain't hey, what's, what's one more, you know? You don't like the preseason games anyways, right, fans? Okay, players, you don't like the preseason games. Two Fine. preseason games. Only two preseason games, all right? We'll have two. And we'll have another another uh, uh, oh. you know, game on there. there. You know what the that, other thing that, that, that bothers me, Scott? How are we going to be able to do any historical statistical comparisons now? We go no, to 18 you, you games. Won't. You won't. But see, that's what the NFL wants. The NFL wants 5,000-yard passers, right? They want 50 touchdown seasons. Uh, they want – I'm just telling you, that's that's what they want. I know. I mean, uh, I don't have any problem with it. I just – Right. How do we – I mean – They want 2,000-yard – compare any stat. Think about how many stats we look back – like. I compare Brady to every quarterback in Aaron's up. That's a key stat. How right. it, it kills us in the media. I mean, it makes it, it, it so much harder. Right. Because we have but, to account for all of those intricacies. And that's something the fans and the NFL and the players and all coaches, they won't care about. But you know us in the media, how often we use well, those and, numbers and, and, to look and back listen, over you're, the years. You're going to have some players. That, yeah, you're, you're right. You're going to have some players that are going to object, right? Because that's just another, you know, game or two sure. more wear and tear. And it might, it might even like uh, limit some guys' careers, right? Because by the time you've played five years, Right, you've actually played ten more games right. if you go to eighteen games as opposed to sixteen. And they so, would get two bye weeks, right, if they went to eighteen games. In your opinion, yes, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, th- I think that's going to be the sell. I think that's going to be the sell. Is is they're they're going to have they're going to listen to the players bitch and moan about seventeen games, mm-hmm. and then they're going to say we we've got an answer. We'll give you an extra bye week, you know, and so give us an extra game. <laughs> give us an extra game, exactly. So I I think it's coming. I'm not. I, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying that it's coming. That's the thing. well. Here's the other thing. You know, with the with the with the cap going up and the cap space going up, I think you will see that conversation revisited again. I think they could settle at 18, and that would be that. Um, you know, again, the playoffs are only really. Everybody's like, oh, the wear and tear if they make the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's only you know a couple teams are going to see that uh, type of yeah. difference. And so, yeah, I think the d- double bye weeks could could be a factor too and could help. I just again the statistical thing is big for me. Like I hate the fact that we can't store like, oh Brady threw forty, you know, touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers threw fifty this season. Well, he had two right. extra games. Like it's just yeah, a different, right. and we're gonna have to do that every single time. And it just, 
it's going to make those comparisons hard, I think, statistically. But guess what? That just means you got to watch the tape more, and I'm fine with that. So I guess yeah. it'll all work out. Um, I did want to let people know that if they're interested in these conversations, the extension of these conversations, both with draft prospects and with the Bucks' new schedule, tonight I'll be live on Locker Room. Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk about sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation at Locker Room tonight, just after 7.30, somewhere around there. I'll be going live on there. We always have some good chats with people, uh, with a lot of fans jumping into the chat, some that are in here uh, that are in this chat right now. Uh, they always jump into Locker Room and offer some thoughts, and we'll talk about the Bucks expanded schedule, but we'll especially talk about the NFL draft. We get into some some nitty gritty detail on the on the um, locker room app. So excited about that show uh, tonight, Scott. We got to talk yeah. about these pro days, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, Scott. There, you ready? A, yeah, let's do it. Here's some here's some results that I'm not sure how you're going to feel about. Liam McNeil. We've talked about him, right? Nose tackle yeah. from NC State. Mm-hmm. There's been some fans that think he's a fit. Not saying he isn't, just saying I watched him on tape. I honestly thought I was going to like him a lot more. He is very one-dimensional. I thought mm-hmm. that there would be a little bit more signs of life from him. Did you watch the 2020 tape or the 2019 tape? Or I both? think I watched some of both. Okay, because the 2019, he played three-tech an awful lot. and he played, You thought he was a lot better in 2019. I, I thought so. Uh, okay. Now, but here's, the, here's the crazy thing. From a, a production standpoint, he was. He had, I think he had five sacks, five and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, last year he played nose, but the thing is with his skill set, I think he's better at nose anyways. He just wasn't that productive this year. Yeah. So I just think from like a physical standpoint, he's he's just a tough guy. He's 6'2, 320 pounds, right? And 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 he's just he's like a like a uh, you know a bit of a juggernaut in there. He just right. you stick him in there, he's a, a gap player. Right. Yeah, he is. He's an interesting player. 6'1, 317, almost 6'2, 317. Yep. Uh, short arms, 32 and 5 eighths arms. So you're talking about a guy, again, physically, right. there is that lack of wingspan with him uh, that, that could be a concern. Ran a 494-5040 from an NFL scout, hand cl- timer. Um, again, you always add to pro day numbers. So, you know, he's okay mm-hmm. for the 40, uh, 317 pounds. So he's heavy, 30 and a half inch vert, uh, nine foot broad. So not anything stunning with the numbers. 459 shuttle. Is pretty good uh, for that size, actually. And seven seven one three cone is, I think, okay. Twenty seven on the bench, so decent numbers from Malik McNeil. Wasn't anything right. that blew anyone away. I think he might be an option for the Bucks. It would be a little bit of a surprise, but I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. take him off the board for the Bucks. Another defensive tackle in this class that we've talked a lot about is Levi Onwuzurike. Yeah, if I can pull up his numbers here. I thought, oh, here it is. Six two and seven eight, so he's almost six three, two hundred and ninety pounds. So he's still coming in light, Scott. I mean, he's yeah. just he's not a very big defensive tackle. Got a great body type, but his arm length, 33 inches, that's probably going to come under what, what people were hoping for for him. Not the end of the world. Right. Um, 485, 489, 40. That's pretty good time, obviously, if, if depending on how much you trust it. Again, a hand timer. Uh, 30-inch vertical, ouch, at 290. That's not great. Uh, yep. That's less than Aleem McNeil, who was 317 pounds. So a 27-pound right. difference. And Aleem McNeil's jumping higher. Remember, mm-hmm. weight adjustment is key for all this. A 9-1 broad, so again, 27 pounds is the difference in weight. Right. And he's barely jumping better in the broad than Ali McNeil. It didn't do the shuttles, oh boy. Yep. Don't do it. There's a reason. Bench press, <laughs> right. 29, 29 reps on the bench. 
Again, well, if you're selling me on Levi O, Scott, yeah. he has to be a great athlete. I said that to you before. I said, I, I don't, I'm not out on him, but he got his tail kicked at the senior bowl. He didn't play in 2020. Right. There's no way you can tell me his 2019 team was great. Where's the dominant performance on the field from him? It just doesn't happen on his 2019 team. There's no game you point to. There's no stretch of games where you're like, this is the guy. What is it that makes people want to put him up there? I think it's just the way that he looks. His frame yeah. is great. But at the end of the day, you got to be a great athlete to sell me that your upside is there. He's kind of one of those chiseled defensive linemen, right? He's he's built more like like an Indomitkasu or a Gerald McCoy than he is like a Vita Vea, right? Where he's 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 got like a a a weightlifter build to him, right? The problem is is he's two ninety, and the guys I mentioned, Sue and McCoy, they're both over three hundred pounds. Yeah, and and if you look at 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 Levi Anzariki without a shirt on. He's rocked up, but there's not a lot of room for him to to hit 300. I think, and I you know what? He's had a full year to add some size and 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 muscle and and maybe even just some bulk to get to 300 pounds, and he hasn't. Right. So I'm not saying that that that, that that's some huge detriment in the NFL, but in this day and age, the guards aren't getting any smaller, John. The centers aren't getting any smaller, and 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 if if you are under. 300 pounds you better be super quick twitch you it's better be like milton williams from from louisiana tech is not a big guy i think he's around 280 284 but he's yep. very twitchy and levi has some pretty decent um you know initial quickness off the line uh warren sap wasn't necessarily you know singing his praises but liked him better than barmore for example yeah. from alabama and and so uh he does if he's gonna win he's got to win initially because if an offensive lineman gets his hands on him, it, it's over. But um, he's a player that we had in in the first, actually in the second mock draft at 32 overall. It's probably a little too high for him, especially given this testing. I, I think the guy that might end up being the better Washington prospect, John, is actually uh, Joe Tryon. Yeah, I think he, Joe Tryon is going to get drafted higher, uh, would be my guess. It, it in the second round. Say. Yeah, I think both I think these it'll guys be, in the second yes. round. And when you, the thing about Tryon is when, when you look at, at the, the the physical play style, he's a yep. physical dude that that brings uh, a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, his motor is always going, and he's a very serious guy. I, I've got I did an interview with Jimmy Lake, the the Washington Huskies head coach, uh, good friends with Jimmy. He used to be the, the Bucks defensive backs coach here twice under. Uh, under John Gruden, he was Raheem Morris's assistant. And then under Raheem, he was the full-fledged defensive backs coach. So I've known Jimmy for a long time. Got that interview coming in an SRS Fab Five about Levi Anzariki and about Joe Tryon. But the thing yeah. about Tryon is is he uh, um, he did test pretty well today. Uh, I, I, th- I thought that, that his numbers were more impressive than, than Levi's. Would you say, John? Definitely. Yes. Uh, you know, solid numbers for trying. I'm comparing them to the aggregate data that's been compiled in mockdraftable.com over the years. Pro football focus might have a little bit different gra- data. So these averages are just kind of roundabout, but he's 6'5, 259, 10 and a fourth hands, 34 inch length in the arms. So all great numbers there. Size length, as I've said before, not a problem with him. Pro ready body. I've mentioned that. Wingspan is terrific, 82 and three-fourths. He's got the physical makeup that you want in an edge rusher, right. and that's that's a great place to start. Athletically, there were reports he ran the 4.5240 or 4.5140. It was 4.64, 4.69 is what he came in at, according right. to Jim Nagy, who's been getting most of these pro day results. 
uh, from the sites. Uh, that's fine, you know, but I talked to somebody who's very familiar with the surface in Washington. They said, yeah, it's about point one. It's a fast yeah. surface. They said, yeah, about point one eight to that. Uh, yeah. Usually for a lot of those guys at a surface like that. So my guess is he's probably like a four seven forty guy. It's fine. Forty's not the end of the world anyway. I don't know what right. his ten yard split is. That'd be more telling uh, yeah. to me anyway. Thirty five inch vert is pretty good for two sixty. Yeah. Uh, Nine eight broad is not that good. It's about average. Four three six shuttle is about average. Maybe a tad better than average. Seven one eight three cone is a pretty good three cone. It's pr- it's above average three cone. Not. Yeah significantly above average but above average three cone for a size i don't know how much the surface plays into something like the three cone if it matters or not with that i'm sure it matters a little with the shuttle so i think he's about an average athlete probably for the position which is about what you thought on tape he he isn't a bad athlete for sure it's no one wants to do that i mean he just is a bull in the china shop right now yeah he is all over the place he needs to learn how to rush with the plan but you saw the light bulb come on and i talked with warren sap he called me the other day we were talking actually about joe trying he's like you know what i like number nine from washington plays hard i mean that kid is long and lean he's physical um and and when i say the light bulb started to come on he had eight sacks in 2019 uh he opted out of last year but but when you look at those eight sacks they came in bunches at the end of the year, at the end of his of his junior season. Two sacks and six tackles against Utah. Two sacks, four and a half tackles for loss, seven tackles against Oregon State. Two sacks, four tackles, two and a half tackles for loss against Washington State. Those were were uh, multiple sack games in one, two, three, in in three of the last five games that he played at Washington. So his his best work came on his way out the door. And so that, that that's a good sign of progress. Uh, I would definitely think that he is on the Bucks' radar. Uh, up he there. probably is, but he yeah. will probably be on my list of guys. I do not want to see them draft, especially in the first round, but we'll talk more about that in another show. Couple yeah. more pro day results for you, Scott. The two lane guys, cam sample was a name that you and I were excited about yeah. after the senior bowl, six, two, almost six, three, 267 pounds. So he's got kind of a squatty Carl Lawson like build to him, a very, very jacked type of frame, 479, 481 on the Mm -hmm. 40. So he's not going to be a speedster. I think we knew that watching him. 37 inch vert is good, 9'8 broad. Again, he's 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 got a little bit of weight to him, but still 9'8 broad is not great um, for him. 448 shuttle, uh, 7393 cone. Those are not times that are going to move the needle, especially. They're not disastrous, but they're not times that are going to say, okay. He's, he's a freak. So I've said I think Cam Sample was misused at Tulane a little bit. I think he, he plays like a tight five, head up on yeah. the tackle. I don't think it's the best usage for him in the NFL. I, I think he's going to be a sub-package interior rusher in the NFL. You know, base, he could play D-end a little bit for you in base. He's yeah. probably going to be a number three type of rusher, like a Kerry right. Hyder type player. I think he can be good in that role, though. And if you can give you give yeah. the team pass rush production and impact in that role, you can be a valuable guy that floats around the league a little bit and picks up some nice deals in free agency and consistently helps teams. So I like Cam Sample in the mid rounds. Again, if you're the Bucks looking for a guy that just right. give me some pass rush juice, baby. Yeah. Give me some hard. Give me some rush juice if I kick you inside. Give me some effort off the edge. He's got good hands. He chops guys and he turns the corner. Right. He's not going to be an every down, every play impact type of starter, I don't think. But I'd love to see him in like a role for some teams if he could get up to two set mid two seventies. Right. I think he can. I think he can have a career in the NFL. It's just going to be can you piece together a role for him? I yeah. think in the league. 
Well, and the, the other thing too is if you want to piece something together, um, the the folks at Symbol have have decided to piece together the stock market and fantasy sports, and that's exactly wow. what Symbol is: the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off of your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 2,000-plus early adopters who started to invest in their favorite teams. The stock market of sports, just a tap away, create a free account in seconds, and start profiting from your sports knowledge. You want to head over to www.symbol.app backslash Peter Report. That'll give you a $10 deposit bonus when you use your, your promo code Peter. Right now, the Sim Bucks franchise value uh, $44 and holding strong. So uh, very cool, innovative way to to get your, your fantasy on in a, in a unique way that blends sports and the stock market. Yeah, definitely a symbol. Really cool product. I'm excited about all the like cool, new, innovative stuff that's all advertising with Peter Report right now. Yeah, We've got I just got my, my Playbook products mugged today. Yeah. I can't wait to open that up and, and got, see which one I got. Which I got one did you get? Well. I got the uh, the play, uh, the Scotty Miller play from halftime right before the halftime against Green Bay. Oh, yeah. The touchdown. <laughs> that's uh, a good one to have. Yeah, that's a great one to have. So you play with products. I mean, uh, locker room symbol. Like we just, yeah, we got a lot of awesome sponsors right now. Well, we, we, we have we have another one too as we as we close out, John. Oh my! We, you know what time it is? Oh, I know what time it is. It's that time. Let's go, baby! Manscaped. I haven't, I haven't even read the script yet. That's the thing, and 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 I, and I this is almost a game like I play with myself because I like John try to hold it together, right? I I try to, you know, to to let. Um, uh, I'd, I'd let my professionalism shine through. Okay. So we're going to put the banners up there and we're going to give this a go. Flowers are blooming. The grass is growing and it's time to mow your lawn, John. Thanks to our sponsor Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leaders and men's below the waist grooming have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the promo code pewter to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. And listen, they're here to make sure that your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning, guys, right? So spring has sprung. Manscaped has got the best tools for the job. They're the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have forever changed the grooming game with the Perfect Package 3.0. You've heard us talk about it before. It's worth mentioning again. This is a legit package. I have one. Cook's got one. Grizz, Matt, John. This is the legit package with the precision engineered tools for all your family jewels to help you unlock confidence and your best self this spring. This is this right here is, is the Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof, cordless body trimmer. And, and it's got this light, which is very, very important when you're down there uh, making sure that, that your guys are groomed up. Um, it, it's, it's got, uh, I mean, it, it's waterproof. Uh, it's got some of the best cutting-edge ceramic blades that are going to reduce your shaving accidents. This is a third-generation trimmer. So this is not the first go-around. They have perfected this thing. Yeah. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And they only use the best ingredients in their formulations. Inside the Perfect Package, you're going to find the Crop Preserver. This is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It is. 
there's no doubt about it. It's starting to get hot outside, especially down here in Florida, John. And, and this is crucial. So your ball stops sticking to your leg. And then as a real special treat, you're going to find this, the crop reviver, which Revive will, it. which will keep your ball smelling fresh, just like spring flowers on top of the lawnmower 3.0 and these great formulations manscaped has thrown in two free gifts this is the shed travel bag mm-hmm. and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxer briefs i used them yesterday when i worked out at the gym and i love right. them They're comfort terrific. is going to take you to the next level and it's just next level comfort all over with manscapes mm-hmm. so get 20 percent off uh with the free shipping use the promo code pewter at manscaped.com this is the perfect package for your perfect package. Do yourself a favor. Always use the right tools for the job. 20% off, free shipping. Use the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. And, uh, and we also have still some of these T-shirts left over. So we're going to throw this up there. If you want a Pewter Report T-shirt, pewterreport.com T-shirt, all you have to do is email me your proof of purchase. Email, email me your, your receipt at srpewterreport.com. Let me know what size you want. We have shirts in black, gray, and white, and I'll send a shirt. So you get Manscaped, and you also get a free shirt from me. So it's pretty cool. Pretty great deal. That wasn't as quite as laugh-inducing as the Trevor Lawrence's haircut in your pants. That's true. That's true. That was actually better. I I appreciate that, Manscaped. I'm not trying to get me on the show every time. Uh, One other guy to talk about pro day-wise, Scott, before we wrap up. Deontay Smith, East Carolina. We've talked a lot yeah. about him as a potential Bucks prospect. He's been in, in our mock drafts, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. yeah. From his pro day today, 6'5", 305. So he, did he made 300 pounds. pounds. Wow. wow. <laughs> Big step. What was he at the, at the Senior Bowl? He weighed a 291 at the Senior Bowl. Okay. But this is a guy, John, that played even – he only played one game his senior years against UCF in the season opener. But he, he played left tackle in college football at yeah. 270 and 275. So this wow. is a big jump for him to hit 300 pounds. Yeah, he put 14 pounds on since the senior bowl. That's like, what, five five weeks? Of, wait, yeah. uh, no, I'm longer than that, eight weeks. Eight yeah. weeks of time since the senior bowl. He's put on 14 pounds just since then. So he is trying to dirty bulk, and it has costed <laughs> him in some of these exercises. Right. 429, 532 on the 40 by a hand timer. Again, this is a guy who who basically needs to be an elite athlete. That's where you're, you're taking him. You want yeah. the elite athleticism, and you want to mold him. He does have the 35-inch arms, so the wingspan that's of 85, nice. that's going to attract some teams for sure. 29-inch yeah. vertical, 9.5 on the broad is okay. 4.81 on the shuttle, yikes. 7.963 cone is probably the most concerning. I, people yeah. have read studies. I won't get into the the, the the nitty-gritty of it here, but the three cone is very indicative of success for NFL offensive linemen. It's, it's yeah. been found to, to really matter for that position. And so, yeah, not good numbers at all for Deontay Smith. We'll see how much it affects him and how much it makes him fall. Small school guys, yeah. I always say testing really matters because and you know what? if you don't have dominant tape at, call, yeah. at that college level, you need to have the upside to be able to play right. at that and level. I haven't that seen it, but apparently you know, Quincy Roche, when, when he was at Temple, had his way with um, – with with uh, with Dante Smith, so oh, okay. um, you know, so that that's the thing too is is you're not in one of the Power Five conferences, right? You're in Conference USA, so you're not going up against the upper echelon guys. And when you do, you better show out. And he only played, I think, one day, one practice at the at the Senior Bowl, maybe two, but mm-hmm. I think it was was either one or two. But he he hurt some ligaments in his thumb, so he opted out, didn't play in the game. But he looked really, really good at the Senior Bowl, and and he mm-hmm. again didn't play most of his senior year. He got he had an injury, it was undisclosed uh, injury in the season opener against UCF. 
didn't play the rest of the year. So he's still a bit of a man of mystery, but he looked legit at the senior bowl. But the thing is, is that was that was that the outlier? Was that the flash in the pan? Or is that going to be the norm for him? I like the fact right. he added some weight, but I think he is he's a day three prospect. He's a day three project, really, is what he is, John. Right. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And and those kind of guys at a position as technical as offensive line worries, man, worries me a yeah. good bit. So before with the draft comes, we are going to have Brandon Thorne on again yeah. to talk about some of the top offensive line prospects he is studying right now. All those guys who so follow him at Brandon Thorne NFL on Twitter. I gotta think. Because, I gotta think they draft an offensive lineman, right? Yes. Interior guy, maybe for this, sure. This is a deep tackle class, and and, yeah. and we've seen the Bucks double up before. They drafted a, a guard and a tackle in Jason Light's first year in 2014. They drafted mm-hmm. Ali Marpet and uh, uh, Donovan Smith in 2015. So they've doubled up before at offensive line. Jason Light, um, you know, he he loves offensive line, so yeah, I would not be absolutely. shocked if they do that. I wouldn't be either. I think that's a position that they definitely, if they're going to lose Jensen and Cap after the season, they want to make sure that group is stable right. moving forward. And, and as Brady finishes out his career, you don't want drop off there. So that's going to be a priority for sure. So we're going to have Brandon on again to talk about to discuss offensive linemen. We're going to get a couple other big names lined up here for you on the show too. Got a couple people in the cooker right now that are thinking about coming on and, and we're going to set dates with them. And we're going to have some insight from them on some of the top prospects in this class how they potentially could fit with the Bucks. So lots of fun and exciting stuff coming up on the Peter Report podcast. So it's going to be a good time this next month as we wind closer and closer to the draft. We'll have more and more announcements for you about a lot of the stuff that we're doing. So until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out.